I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. When you do a show long enough, like watching any family or group of friends, you see new partnerships form and others go away. This is a subject we haven't talked about on the show before, and I'm I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you. This episode features interior designer Cynthia Lambakis. Cynthia is a returning guest from episode 63, I think. I, I was touring the Pasadena Showcase House for the Arts in 2016, and I spoke with Cynthia and her design partner, Samantha, both equal parts of Adara Design. Now, Cynthia is out on her own, building her solo design studio. It reminds me that at one point before Convo by Design, I was working on a different project and had a split with a creative partner. I learned some really powerful lessons about knowing when and why to walk away, what happens after you do, and how to move on. The subject comes up a lot, but we've never actually really focused on it before, and this was a great opportunity to do that. Cynthia and I talk about those same ideas, in addition to her sense of style, design ideas, approach to kitchen design, and outdoor spaces. We chat about the frustrations in working on social media and how to make the most wonderful design from the good bones of old architecture. Enjoy this episode with interior designer Cynthia Lambakis. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Designers, architects, and discerning homeowners know that if you're looking for world-class service and the absolute best in kitchen appliances, this is where you go. Why? Well, because Russ Diamond knows his appliances, and that's why he only works with the best, like Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Have you seen Sub-Zero's built-in over and under glass door refrigerators? Stunning on the outside, powerful and smart on the inside. This is the result of over 70 years of research with an air purification, for example. This, this system was inspired by NASA. Now pair that with Wolf and their warming drawers. We're talking about food preservation and freshness, as well as making sure that you don't have to reheat. The Wolf warming drawer keeps prepared foods hot and flavorful regardless of when soccer practice ends or if that conference call runs late. And right now, Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove are offering three extra years of protection or a $1,000 rebate on select models thanks to the Grand Kitchen event. These offers are only for a limited time and conditions apply, so take control and get all the details to see the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove products, go to any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations. You can also see the living kitchen in the Pasadena and Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showrooms. Cynthia Lambakis, Lambakis Interior Design. We met for the first time at the Pasadena Showcase House for the Arts in 2016. Yes. You've been doing, you've been doing showcase since, what, 2014, I think. 2014 yeah four years and then uh this last year i was advisor one of the advisors for the showcase house so didn't do a space but interesting different role different capacity different role how did you like that i liked it i liked it you know you're you're really involved with what the designers are bringing in uh as far as their presentations and you know approving what's going to be done to the house 
and going from there. So it's, it's a fun. So interesting. What did you, th how did you approach that role? And what did you think of that role as in, because having covered design houses for a long time now, when you're a designer, you are hyper-focused on what you're doing. You're so exclusively focused on your space. Maybe to some extent you're looking at what your neighbors are doing because you want to make sure that there's not some horrible disconnect <laughs> between style, right? Yeah. But for the most part, you're really looking at what you're doing. How did, what did you think about looking at it from a, from a, from a macro level this time? I, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun to, to be on the outside and get to look in at um, what the different designers were doing and kind of hone in. And you're working with the, the showcase ladies, you're working with the homeowner in a lot of instances, and you're really kind of a mediator between the designer and uh, the homeowner as far as if things need to change. And then, you know, with the showcase ladies, they're really relying on you to say, you know, Hey, this is a, this is a reasonable thing to you know reasonable thing to happen in the amount of time that you have, and can this be accomplished? And did did that new role change your approach as a designer? Did you learn anything that you're applying to to your craft? Um, I don't I don't think I learned a lot as far as you know what I do. I mean, um, I think one of the benefits of being an advisor is you really. Uh, you know how long things take and what's what's reasonable and you start seeing you know there was a lot of designers this previous year that were new had never done it before and I think um, as the process is happening you're kind of going okay people are getting you know a little behind or they need to catch up and when when they're new they don't really maybe realize that the, the time constraint is something that they really need to be keeping an eye on so it was more I guess you could say a management type of position in some senses of saying, you know, hey, you need to speed it up or this isn't going to be done in time if you don't. So it's interesting. I'm curious, what kind of boss are you? And, and essentially you are, you know, you're, you're managing a timeline. You, you've, you've, got to keep the, you've got to keep it on track. You've got to keep it on schedule. What kind of boss are you? <laughs> well, I, I'm very organized and I'm someone who is, you know, on a daily basis talking with the contractors on any job that I do to make sure that, you know, it's going to be completed in a timely manner and that the design is being followed through. I think that's really important. You have to be, you know, on top of things and pretty organized and not always expect people to get things done when they say they're going to get it done. So I'm really, really good at that. <laughs> really? You mean things don't come if things aren't delivered exactly when they're supposed to get there? Yeah, putting out fires. Putting out, <laughs> totally understand. I'm always putting out fires. So. Well, isn't that, isn't that a huge part of the job? It is. It is. It, it is. Yeah, it's a major... It's just the norm. So when, when we met in 2016, you were also... You're, you were part of a partnership. Yes, I and it, that partnership is no longer. You have launched your your solo career. I have. Yes. You, <laughs> it's and and I'm curious. Um, you know, in so many episodes of the podcast, we talk about collaboration and we talk about partnership, which is critical and crucial to our our job and our role and to what you do. I mean, partnerships is what makes spectacular design, and not all partnerships last forever. I don't know mm -hmm. any partnerships that last forever. You know, some last longer than others. But I'm curious, what has the, what's the experience been like for you going from a partnership to now launching your own endeavor? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, obviously, when you have, when you have a partnership, you have that support of another person to rely on. So, um, I would say one of the um, one of the hardest things is that you know it's it's on you now. You have to. It's completely on you. So you don't have someone else to kind of rely on to take care of things as far as, you know, if you need a break or whatever. <laughs> so you really are relying on um, who you hire as assistants and, and drafts people to help carry you through that. And uh, when there's times when you, you know, need to take a vacation or whatever, that you have someone there to that you can rely on. Yeah. Did, did you find yourself in – were you surprised by either – what you knew or what you didn't know you didn't know? Um, I wasn't, I, I knew what, what, you know, each, when I had a partnership, each of us had our own roles in the business. And so I knew what I needed to work on as far as, you know, things that I wasn't taking care of so much in the, you know, when I had a partnership. So, uh, one of those is me marketing. So I'm, I'm much more involved with that now than I was before. And, um, probably uh, some of my connections with vendors in general. Um, so I've really been working on that and spending a lot of time, as much time as I can on really, and marketing's important right now because it is a new business, so. Yeah, and, and essentially it is it is a new business. Um, so Pasadena, you've been working Pasadena, like I said, for, for quite some time now. Pasadena is kind of like your farm. It's your backyard, it's your territory, it's your turf. Um, was, so now, from a marketing standpoint, from a brand development standpoint, promoting the the endeavor, your new business, your your interior design company, was that helpful to have that that experience laid in and the connections and and how do you how do you move how do you move forward? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. Um, I I was born and raised near Pasadena in Eagle Rock, and so I have that. Um, you know, I'm I'm involved with the Tournament of Roses, which is also I think really important to be involved in an organization, you know, outside of design. Um, but you know, because my projects are in Pasadena, my clients are in Pasadena, it's been really easy, you know, to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm marketing a new business. I need your, you know, referrals. I need, you know, things that I can put on my website and house and all of those places where I can, you know, really market myself and Instagram. I've been using Instagram a lot, which I feel like is one of the late, you know, probably one of the most popular social media tools to use. Tell me about your experience with social media as it relates to, to the design business. Backing up a little bit, I am incredibly frustrated. Social media is wonderful, right? But I'm I'm really frustrated with frustrated is not the right word. Um, I'm surprised that more designers don't engage more heavily. Many will post pictures, will throw something up online, and just sort of leave it there for the for the universe to find it. But there's not a lot of engagement in the trade. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that? Yeah, I have. I have. What do you I do always about try, that? If people, if people respond to my Instagram posts or make comments, I always try to respond right away. Or if they have a question about a product, I always try to respond right away. I think that's important. I mean, if you just post something up there but you don't really have any feedback on anything, then I think, I mean, that's all part of it. I feel like you need to be completely, you know, engaged in what you're, you're posting and what you're marketing and that I, I think it shows that you care about your business and your clientele. You know, even if it's somebody that's not a client and just wants an answer to a question, I'm fine with doing that. 
And it's interesting too because you know, it's impossible. We don't have big teams, right? We don't have big social media teams. I did a, um, at West Edge this past year, I, I, did a, I did a panel called Brand Development for Creatives. And I wanted, I wanted to share some experiences and I had, I had designer Lori Dennis on stage. And I also had someone who I was really excited to, to speak to. His name's Nick Goweth. And Nick works for Sapient Razorfish, which is a, a, an agency and he handles Samsung's mobile division. It has nothing to do with design. But what was interesting is that the same techniques and strategies that you have a major team like Samsung and their mobile division working on, it's, it's the same thing that we can do as individuals. It's just a matter of time <laughs> and resources. Yeah, I was going to say time is probably the hardest thing. You how, know? how do you balance that? Um, Right now, I've been, I mean, it is a lot of time, and right now I've been doing most of that since my company's new, uh, but I do have somebody working part-time that's got, like, a graphics background and is helping me, has helped me with the website and also with some of the marketing so that if I don't have time to do a post, I can have them do that. And that's what my goal is, is eventually have someone, you know, taking care of that. Because I can't, when I get really busy, I can't be doing a daily post. You know, no, time-wise. no. Um, and along those lines as well, some of the projects that you're working on now, you just finished a project in Sherman Oaks. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that one. Um, I just finished a bathroom and a laundry room in Sherman Oaks and photographed it. And, uh, no, it was, it was a great project. Uh, it turned out to be something, you know, she wanted just something really classic in design and that's what we did and kept it, um, in gray and white, uh, palette, which has been really popular for a while and she's just the client's really happy and and i'm happy and we we started with a actually the laundry room was three rooms it was like a closet and two small rooms it was configured very it didn't look anything like it does now because we completely opened it up and made it one space so um the previous owners had done some additions and remodeling and kind of created this odd space for her so she just wanted a you know one big open laundry room and here's what's fascinating about that so it is a bigger space it is it is far more utilitarian and what's interesting our territory los angeles in, in general in particular southern california in, in in general we live differently than we did 10 years ago uh traffic mobility means we have to we have to do things differently we are working more from home than we do from an from an actual office uh, to keep us off the roads, we we do more in certain areas of our home. Are you are you designing differently than you have in the past to accommodate for things like that? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot more people are doing like in home offices because they are staying home. So, um, it's important that you know you have all the conveniences at home that you would have if you went to an office when you're designing that, you know, because people, people don't want to deal with the traffic. You know, they want to stay home and have an office space that they can work in that, you know, works for them and they don't have to get out and travel too much. Well, and, it, and it's more, it's more than, than simply an office. You know, when you mention a laundry room and you're opening the laundry room up because now I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that we're incorporating more technology, higher technology, smarter thinking appliances and devices so that we can do more in-home that than 
we've we've done before silly things i mean silly things easy things like dry cleaning right well now there are appliances that that you can you can apply steam you can apply some of the same techniques that maybe you don't have to hit the dry cleaner as as often as you once have so your industry is changing as you as you watch it in real time yeah as technology changes yeah it definitely is changing yeah so how do you or even kitchens i mean you have all the smart technology in kitchens where you can turn on your oven from remotely on your way home you can do things like that through your phone you like kitchens I do. I really, I really like doing kitchens, and I do. I like doing bathrooms. I really like the construction side. I think more so than uh, the living rooms and the dining rooms and the bedrooms, which I'll do. But I really think that I excel on doing the the kitchens and the bathrooms. You like function more than pretty. Not that pretty isn't part of what you're doing, but you like the function side more than pretty. Um, no, I think I really do like both. I mean, if you were to ask me, you know, what what's probably one of my favorite, you know, things to be doing in the whole process is I think that initial stage of the project where you start with a client and you're especially when you're having to like move walls or reorganize something, I really love coming in and like figuring out what's going to be the best solution. You know what's gonna um, maximize the space, but also you know just just make it comfortable for the client, and you know what's gonna be our best solution as far as the layout um, and the design of the space. That's probably my my favorite part of the the process, and then probably my second favorite is at the end when the when it's completed and the client's happy with the with the process. When I started Convo by Design five years ago we're on our sixth season now five years ago in talking to designers and architects what was happening five years ago was they were implementing plans from two or three years before that and those plans were taking out the formal living removing formal dining opening up the kitchens to a master space um, what was also happening was the home office was starting to take over a, a traditional on a on a on a traditional floor plan. It was taking over the den, mm-hmm. you know, and it was re- it was really interesting to see what was planned, what was happening. What are you seeing now that's different that is either being applied now or that you see being applied in the near future? Um, I think that we're, st- I mean, we're still seeing, you know, these open kitchen floor plans into great rooms or living rooms. Um, I just did a project now where, uh, they're calling their living room, the lounge, it has a bar, it is their living. I mean, cause people aren't using formal living rooms as much and it's off of the kitchen, but also off of the kitchen is these large French, you know, doors that open up to a patio because in California, we're so much about bringing the outdoors in and you know we we spend so much time outside that um and that's a recent project that I'm working on right now that's that's getting finished so that's been exciting and and I think that I think that the idea of an open kitchen floor plan uh into a living room or den is something that's that's here for a while I don't think that we're going to go back to having individual like small kitchens and and living rooms and I think that will stay I agree. I think that will stay. One of the things that I've been seeing 
which I think is really fascinating, I'm wondering if you've experienced this because I've seen it a lot in, in the Pasadena area, is the rise in popularity of the dual kitchen. So yes. you'll have, specifically in, in, in the Asian communities, where mm -hmm. you'll have a large, super luxe, glamorous show kitchen, and then you'll have a, a smaller working kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, be, because in Asian cooking, there's so much, there's smoke and high heat and grease and, and uh, odors that they'll have a separate space. Are, are you seeing that as yes. well? Yes, it's very common. It's very common to have a separate, what they call like a wok kitchen to keep all of the grease and all of that contained in another room. So, um, and, but actually the project I was just talking about, they have a fairly large size pantry that's the size of most of small kitchens with a sink and they don't cook a lot or use the oven a lot, I should say. And so they, one of the first things they asked me is, can we put the oven in this pantry room? And we decided to do that, even though most people would think, why wouldn't you have your oven in the main kitchen? It's a few steps away and it's, it's not something that they use all the time. And so we did that. We weren't able to fit it in the, the big main kitchen. So we put it in the pantry kitchen. That's really interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because it completely blows up the traditional um <laughs> not the least of which because it completely blows up the traditional triangle which i i mean the the triangle it's not a rule it's just mm -hmm. a it's not a hard and fast rule but but most people look for it yeah well i mean we still have the range top uh and the sink and the refrigerator, you know, following the triangle rule, but the oven we just decided was going to go in the pantry. So no, and and yeah. I, I think that's great. And what's interesting about that to me, and what's what's really kind of cool is, five years ago, ten years ago, most people wouldn't even dream of making that choice simply because, well, gosh, what's it going to do to resale? Exactly, and that that was the first, and that was their their concern, and that's always my. I'm always thinking about. You know, even if someone says they're going to be in the house for 10 years, I'm always thinking about resale. You don't want to do something to a house where people think, you know, what were they thinking? This is not convenient. I have to redo the kitchen. Um, and I felt that something like an oven wasn't going to be something that was going to keep someone from buying the house because it's in the pantry, you know. And and that's not that's not a terribly difficult fix. Exactly. And. And I think what I what I really like about that is these are our homes and we're spending more time there than we ever have. And that's kind of the point is why can't we customize it any way we choose to? Exactly. And I and I knew with these clients that they were going to be there for a while. They told me, you know, we're going to sell the house in a couple of years. We might have rethought that decision, but um, they're going to be there for a while. And uh since they don't use their oven all the time, why not? <laughs> it sounds like a great idea. I'm, I'm curious, though, what did you do with the space where the oven was? Is it simply just more counters? Actually, the where the kitchen is used to be their living room, so it was completely new space, all new construction. So, wholesale change. Yeah, wholesale change. Um, they had decided... Uh, that room had cathedral ceilings, that room had the views, that room went out to the patio. It's like, let's put, they had already decided, you know, let's put the kitchen in this room and switch it and put, turn the existing, which was a smaller kitchen, into the lounge, which is their living room. So, um, and I, I, when I was brought into the space and hired, I agreed that that was a good 
you know, solution to do that. Um, one of the things that they were going to do that I pointed out to them was the focal wall across from the island. They were going to put their stove and their hood in their refrigerator. And I said, we need to find another spot for your refrigerator because this needs to just be like a focal wall with the stove and the hood and the pretty tile. And when at our second meeting, when they told me they were hiring me, they said, we've already like, we've already changed the plans. We're doing what you said. So, And, and it's, it's fun to see that lifestyle is sort of taking over where pure function used to, used to live and reside and, and win the day. Exactly. And, and in this case for function, they don't use their oven that much. So really it's not an issue. Some of the other things that I, that I've been seeing that I think are really interesting are two things in conjunction with each other and combined make a powerful combination is the concept of the full outdoor kitchen and the completely removable wall. It's, it's one of those things that used to be an ultra lux option, but not really anymore. If you could, with, with products, are you seeing anything similar to that? Are you seeing that sort of more prevalent than in the past? The outdoor kitchens with the removable outdoor kitchens in conjunction with a removable. So you'll have a you'll have an outdoor kitchen that is that is within a closer proximity to the indoor kitchen, mm-hmm. living room, family family space. Except where there used to be a, a, maybe a set of French doors or one door leading out to the patio, they've completely taken away the entire wall, and now you you've got you've got all glass completely removable. That's wall. very that's been popular for a while, and I think very common. Yeah, they they want this feeling of just an open continuous space, and in this house. They even kept the same flooring, so the same flooring goes out into the outside because they didn't want they wanted a seamless look. It really is. Yeah. It really is seamless, and it's it's kind of like an indoor outdoor. You have the outdoor lanai connected to an indoor family room. Yeah, exactly. They wanted that outdoor space to feel like it was part of the indoor space. Which here, you know, we're not in Dallas where you just have nothing but land. You know, anywhere in Texas or, or surrounding, you can you can build. A bigger house on a bigger footprint and put everything in it that you want we're we're limited exactly we're severely limited exactly you know even on the bigger places we are we are i mean luckily these clients their their lot size is almost two acres which is so okay. rare for e- pasadena except so for that one this is an exception <laughs> so um the just the construction part that they're doing alone is over four thousand square feet, but then the total size of the house is about seven thousand five hundred square feet, which is not the norm. And then on the other side, I'm doing a kitchen that's a hundred and fifty square foot kitchen and a little bungalow. So there's you, such a big range. You know what's cool about that too, though, is even on that, which is obviously the exception to the rule, the fact that there is more land and that it's not built lot line to lot line creates an immense sense of value creates way more value than yes. if it was just just house yes that's true because because park like yard like property is is a rarity it's a rarity most people are buying you know smaller size lots and then putting <laughs> mansions on them you know tearing down a house and putting like a two-story mansion on it to try to but it just doesn't fit when you've taken the whole amount of land and put this huge mansion in a street where you've got little, you know, single story houses. Yeah, it's true. What are you seeing that you like? I, this is kind of like the, the what are you crushing on 
portion of the of the podcast. What are you seeing product wise? And and I ask this in in large part because where we are from a timing standpoint, Pasadena is coming up. Show if if there was any such thing as showcase season, it's starting to come up. Mm-hmm. You've got all the shows. You've got KBiz. You've got Modernism Week. You've got a lot of things that are starting to come up right now in the industry, which means. All of the colors of the year have been announced by everyone who's got a color of the year. But color of the year doesn't seem to really stop designers from having their own personal choices. I, so that being said, what are you seeing right now that you're absolutely crushing on? Um, well, I got to actually do it in this house I was just talking about, and they wanted, they wanted a Moroccan influence, and I think there's a lot of great um, tiles from Morocco and, and patterns and color, which is fun to see. Um, I mean, the color of the year is a coral color. So I think, uh, I think colors, you know, gray and white has been such a fad for, for so, for a while now that I think it's fun to see, you know, the color that's out there and the possibilities that you can do with pattern and color in tile and fabrics and all of that. What do you, what do you think about the, the idea of the, of, of color? See, seems to me. So, paint is probably the easiest thing one can do to to fix up the house. Color of the year seems so novel and fun to me. But most people aren't going to paint their house the color of the year every single year, or try to incorporate the color of the year. What do you What do you think of the idea? And now you've got probably four or five different outlets for color of the year, and they're some are similar. Some are completely different, which I love that mm-hmm. everyone gets to apply their, their own sense of, you know, here's what we think. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I think that, you know, everybody has their own taste in certain colors that they, they love to use. And so if it's, if, if the color of the year, whoever's color of the year it is, you know, I was talking about Pantone, but um, I think if it's a color that they already naturally are drawn to, then they, you know, they should certainly use it. Um, I don't think they're going to use it if it's a color that's not something that they <laughs> that they want in their house. But um, I think paint is a great way of doing it. I think um, accessories and and fabrics are a great way to bring it in um, without being you know trend, trends come and go and you don't want to do something so permanent or something that you're going to have for a while that you can't change it easily. You know. Do you have any tips? hacks, tricks, techniques that you advise. So paint is obviously super easy. Um, for changing up style based on season or just based on feeling, what do you, what do you like to do if it's just a, not, a, not a wholesale change, not even, not even necessarily a design piece, but just sort of a refresh? What do you, what do you go to? What do you like to use? Um, I think for a refresh... It would be, you know, a couple pieces maybe of furniture. You know, you, you, you don't want to change all of your furniture to, you know, for a refresh if you don't have to. Um, I actually had a client recently that called me that had just, like, all these brown pieces in her den. And um, we decided, you know, she really loved the chairs. And I'm like, let's get a sofa and a color. You know, let's get a really cool coffee table that's, you know, a conversation piece. Because she, she says, I want to I wanna love everything in my house I want to look at everything and love everything she has a smaller house so I said let's just get pieces that you really love you know add some color in that way and and freshen it up because right now there's just a lot of brown 
you know, in the furniture. So, <laughs> um, I think pillows, I think paint, I think all of those things as far as seasonal um, accessories are ways that you can, you know, uh, update your, your house and look for seasons and not be, you know, breaking the bank to do it. Do you have a favorite piece in your house? Um, I have a, yeah, I have a couple things in my house that I really love. Um, my window treatments in my living room I love. They're just really colorful. They make me smile. Um, they're just, <laughs> I love them. You know, they're just fun. They have peacocks on them. Um, so I love that. Um, and, you know, when I bought my house, honestly, I bought it because of the, the character, the bones to it. I bought a little Spanish, and I love all of the, like, the architecture of the house. The niches and the, you know, the built-ins and things like that. Last thing I was going to ask you is, and I think you kind of answered it. If you do, you have a do you have a style? Do you have a? And it's it sounds like that like Spanish, not necessarily design, like how you design, because design is personal to the client, not to the designer necessarily, but what you personally like. And it sounds like Spanish is a, Spanish is, a, is probably my yeah, it's my favorite architecture. It is. Yeah, it is. Why? And then Craftsman's probably number two. Um, I. I don't know. I, I think, or maybe maybe being Spanish, saying Spanish is a little too specific. I think Mediterranean in general. Okay. Um, I love going to Italy. I love you know spending time in Italy and in Spain, and um, I think that's probably why I'm, that architecture is my favorite. And also, I just feel like you know Spanish just really fits with where we are here in Southern California culturally. You know, so I think that's why it's probably my favorite. And then I grew up in a craftsman. Uh, house and I lived in one for 10 years so it's probably my second favorite which I know is completely different um, but it's probably more for nostalgic reasons that okay I like them all right that's fair that's fair uh are you working on Pasadena this year on the showcase house yeah not this year no not this I'm year not, I'm not um, I'm focusing really on like I said marketing um I'm going to Las Vegas market next week um, or a little over a week. I'm going to Modernism Week. I'm going to KBiz next month. So I'm really trying to market and also just uh, see what the new trends are that are out there and keep myself updated on all of that. You're, so, getting, you're getting out there. Yes, yes. It's important. It is important. And, and you know what? It's, it's really interesting. I love that you're doing that, and I love that you said that, because it's really easy to forget. It's really easy to forget, and it's really easy to say I'm too busy, and it's really easy to say I've got too much going on, and I and I can't I can't go right now. But it's also really really important, not just to see what's out there, but also to reconnect. It is. It is. It's connecting with the vendors, but it's also like you said, um, just keeping updated on what the new products are and and all of the new things that are out there, so that I can bring the most of my clients. You know, I can bring them the new things that are that are coming out and talk to them about it. I need to keep myself. I think that's so important as a designer to keep yourself updated with current trends and and what's out there. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. 
They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vandam spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vandam mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vandam before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. or online at Vondam.com.